This is Hemant, and you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go to uh, patreon.com slash Friendly Atheist Podcast. Normally, I would be doing this with Jess, and we actually had uh, a meeting today. We actually recorded an entire episode, and then as we went to save it, somehow the entire thing disappeared. Um, and it was very frustrating, and we tried a bunch of things. It didn't work. So... I'm not going to try to talk about all the stories we talked about and recreate her expressions, because obviously I can't do that. Um, What I did want to do is, one, explain that, but two, I just wanted to talk about two stories that seemed to generate a lot of controversy, at least on my website, and I feel like they're worth talking about here just to get people thinking about them, talking about them, and... Jess will obviously be back next week, and we'll see if we could work out all the other issues. So I'm not going to go into some of the stories that I wish you could hear what she had to say about them, because they were really interesting, smart things to say. Um, But let me bring up two particular stories. Uh, So this won't take too long, I hope. The first one is about Bernie Sanders. And if you want to make sense of this story, you got to go back to a little more than a year ago at Wheaton College. It's an evangelical school in Illinois. And Wheaton College had a professor, a Laricia Hawkins, who at one point uh, posted something on Facebook where she wore a hijab. And it was a picture of her basically saying she's standing in solidarity with Muslim women who are being oppressed in a lot of ways. And beyond that, she also wrote something about how Christians and Muslims worshipped, quote, the same God, even if she personally believed you had to accept the divinity of Jesus to be saved. This caused a major controversy in the evangelical world, not just because you had a black woman wearing, uh, who was an evangelical wearing a hijab, which, you know, that's going to upset a lot of administrators and probably donors of Wheaton, but also this idea that Christians and Muslims worship the same God, that's not taken uh, as a given in parts of evangelical Christianity. They, some of them think, no, Muslims worship a false god. And there are people who think, no, we all worship the same god. We just take different paths to get there. So that was controversial. And some people at Wheaton felt she had abandoned the statement of faith that you have to sign if you want to teach there or attend the school. So this was a big controversy last year. And at the time, this guy named Russ Vaught, V-O-U-G-H-T, um, he was a Wheaton alum. And so he knew the school, and he was writing for a conservative publication called The Resurgent. And he basically wrote an essay defending Wheaton for suspending Professor Hawkins. They even went through the process to begin to try and fire her, though Hawkins left the school before that process was completed. So Russ Vaught wrote an article defending the school. And at one point, he wrote a long essay. I'm going to quote you just a really short piece here. He said, Muslims do not simply have a deficient theology. They do not know God because they have rejected Jesus Christ, his son, and they stand condemned. Now, that's weird word choice, deficient theology. But the sentiment is one that is shared by evangelicals everywhere, which, you know, to put it simply, says we're right and everyone else is wrong. I mean, this is what everyone pretty much thinks when it comes to religion, And Russ Vaught was basically clarifying that, saying, no, they're not going to get to heaven. They are wrong about all of this, and we're right. And again, it's not unusual. It's not even one of those essays that created much of a stir 
at the time that he posted it because, yeah, this is how Wheaton thinks. This is how a lot of evangelicals think. I mean, very few Christians hold this view that, oh, sure, everyone can get to heaven or everyone's fine. It doesn't matter what you believe. That's, that's not the norm. Okay, so why do I bring all that up? Because Russ Vaught, the guy who talked about this deficient theology that Muslims have, Donald Trump nominated him to be the deputy director of the White House Office of Management and Budget. So while everyone was focusing on Jim Comey and, you know, Infrastructure Week, um, Russ Vaught actually had his confirmation hearings, and there were senators. They were asking him questions. I mean, it didn't get much press, but it happened. And this week, when the Senate Budget Committee was questioning him, Bernie Sanders was one of the senators asking him a bunch of questions. And let me try to under, let me try to explain what Bernie Sanders wanted to do. What he wanted to do is say, look at this thing you wrote for the resurgent. Look at the way it kind of treats Muslims. That's a really horrible thing to say, that they have a deficient theology, as if you think there's something wrong with Muslims. And I want to nail you on that, because I think that makes you um, a bad candidate for an office, uh, you know, a public position, especially one of, you know, this high magnitude. But here's more or less what Bernie Sanders asked, and I'm reading right from the transcript. Bernie Sanders, do you believe that statement, referring to deficient theology, is Islamophobic? Vought responds, absolutely not, Senator. I'm a Christian, and I believe in a Christian set of principles based on my faith, blah, blah, blah. Sanders uh, responds back. Do you believe that people in the Muslim religion stand condemned? Vaught. Again, Senator, I'm a Christian. Blah, blah, blah. Bernie Sanders. Are you suggesting that all of those people stand condemned? What about Jews? Do they stand condemned too? Senator, I'm a Christian. Sanders. You know, in your judgment, do you think people who are not Christians are going to be condemned? Okay, so this goes on for a while. And the weird thing about this is, Sanders doesn't seem to get that, yeah, a lot of Christians think everyone who doesn't accept Christ is condemned. I mean, Christians believe these people are burning in hell. I've said this in talks before, but if you really want to make an evangelical pastor squirm, ask them if Anne Frank is burning in hell right now. Ask them if Mahatma Gandhi is burning in hell. Because according to their beliefs, the answer is yes. Now, it's totally un-PC to say something like that. So they might, they might you know, uh, couch their answer by saying, well, maybe Anne Frank converted uh, to Christianity before the Nazis got to her. Or maybe Gandhi converted on his deathbed, whatever. Um, or they might say, yeah, but hell isn't necessarily, you know, burning in hellfire. Maybe it's just a place devoid of God. Like, they don't want to just say, yes, Anne Frank is burning in hell because she's a Jew. They know how that looks, so they don't want to admit it. But that is what they believe. They believe you have to accept Christ in your life. Everyone else is condemned. So Vaught believes all this stuff. So when Bernie Sanders says, do you believe they're condemned? The answer that he didn't want to say was, yes, I do believe that. But in his defense, who cares? Like, your religion isn't up for debate here. And this is where it got controversial, at least in terms of when I wrote about this and the response I got, because people said, no, Sanders was trying to establish that this guy is going to be 
discriminatory toward Muslims. Even though he's in the Office of Management and Budget and they don't really do any religion stuff, uh, he's going to treat Muslims badly. The problem I have with that argument, that rebuttal, is that Sanders never asked about that. He never established that this guy was a bigot. He just said, in your mind, do you think they're condemned? And Vought's response more or less is, yes, but who cares? <laughs> like, I'm a Christian. That is what I believe. What Sanders should have asked is, are you going to treat Muslims or Jews or atheists differently than you would other Christians? And I, you know what? I don't know what Vought would have answered. I'm guessing he would have said, of course, I'll treat everyone the same. Um, I don't know. But we never heard that question from Bernie Sanders, and we never got a response from Vought. And then, even though we didn't get that answer, Bernie Sanders closed the line of questioning by saying to the chairman of that committee, this nominee is really not someone who is what this country is supposed to be about. I will vote no. And conservatives had a field day with this because this to them is, you know, Christian persecution. It is religious discrimination. And frankly, it seems really hard to argue that they're wrong because Sanders never connected that this guy's beliefs have any effect on how he will do his job. And without that, I feel like Vought's in the right here. He didn't say anything that is any different from what any Christian in government would have said. And we missed out on an opportunity to find out how he's going to treat people under the law, which is all that matters. Um, there is an argument in the Constitution that, you know, there's no religious test for public office. Um, usually it applies to, you know, members of Congress and the president and stuff. But at least the principle of that thing is that your religion shouldn't stop you from being in a public office. You know, whether you're an atheist or, you know, a, a minority religion, who cares? We're in America. Freedom of religion. And basically Bernie Sanders' line of questioning, it set religious conservatives up to say he is basically dismissing this guy because he's a conservative Christian. Um, a lot of right-wing people had a lot to say about this, and I'm reading their stuff, and it's, it's hard for me to argue with it. Um, and by the way, I should mention that one Republican senator called out Bernie Sanders for this, and then Senator Chris Van Hollen of Maryland chimed in and said to Vought, no one is questioning your faith. It's your comments that suggest a violation of the public trust in what will be a very important position. But he's wrong. Bernie Sanders was questioning his faith, and he wasn't getting to the whole question about the violation of public trust. I would love to know about the violation of the public trust. Vaught never answered that question. Bernie Sanders never asked it. And I think that's a problem for Bernie Sanders. And even when Sanders' spokesperson issued a follow-up statement to all the criticism he was getting, they more or less doubled down. They said Bernie Sanders was right to ask what he did, and then they jumped to the conclusion that I think was unwarranted that, you know, he came to the conclusion that Vaught was basically a bigot. I'm, par I'm using those words, not him. But he didn't establish that. So I think that's an unfair jump to make. You have to actually ask them how they're going to treat people under the law and get them on the record for that. Sanders didn't do that. Okay. So that's the first story I really wanted to bring up. The second one has to do with a high school in New York. Uh, it's called Shenandoah East High School. Man, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. But here's the setup for this. At a public school, you can make some accommodations for religious students without running afoul of the law. So, for example, 
Um, you can't say, hey, we're going to have a public holiday. We're going to have a holiday at school. Everyone has the day off for Good Friday. Because that's totally a Christian thing. Like, why are we having a holiday for that? You can't do that. If a school wanted to do that, though, what they could say is, look, we have a lot of Christians in this community. We know that. If we had school on that day, there's a good chance a lot of kids won't show up. And that ruins a lot of stuff. Like, there's no reason to have school if no one's going to be there. The same thing applies to certain Jewish holidays. If there are certain days when a lot of Jewish kids uh, won't be at the school, and you know that in advance, you can kind of figure out a way around it by saying, we're going to have a, you know, institute day, teachers only. We're going to do something else so that, you know, uh, we're not discriminating. We're not wasting our time by calling a school day when no one can make it because it's just pointless. Uh, also, you know, uh, if people want to wear a cross necklace, that's fine. Even if a teacher wants to do that, that's a reasonable accommodation. That's not distracting. That's not proselytizing. It's fine. That's a reasonable accommodation. Now, Muslims in the school, at this school in New York, it's Ramadan. They take prayer very seriously during Ramadan, especially because, you know, that's the that's a time of year they want to be really devout. But if Muslims want to pray, it takes some time. It takes maybe 10 or 15 minutes to do the prayer. And where do you do it? You don't want to do it like in the middle of the cafeteria or something. You, might, you want to go to somewhere where it's quiet. So what options do the Muslim students have? Some of them could leave the school and go either to their house or go to a local mosque or something to pray. But that, that even though the prayer is 10, 15 minutes, that, that might be like an hour of the school day gone so they could pray. And the school can't stop them from doing that, especially if their parents give them permission to do it. They have a religious right. They have their religious freedom. They're allowed to do that. So you don't want them leaving the school if you can help it. Some students might say, look, I have a lunch period, but I'm fasting during Ramadan. So maybe instead of going to lunch, I'll find an empty classroom and pray in there. And that's an option, too, especially if a teacher says, I'll let you in. It's totally fine. The school, I mean, that's, that's fine. Schools do that all the time. But at this high school in New York, where there is a significant Muslim population, the teacher spoke with the students who made a request. Can we have a space where we could pray? He actually talked to a local uh, Muslim leader and imam saying, you know, I, I'm considering doing this. Is this the right move on my part? Will this help things? So he, you know, he got input from the public too in terms and made sure it passed legal muster as well. And what the principal said is there are like two classrooms in the high school or one here and one at the other high school in the district that we're not using during the day. If Muslim students want to use that space to pray, that's fine. It'll be open for them all day. And by the way, it's not just for Muslim students. If other students want to meditate, if they want to pray, if they just want to sit there in silence, that's fine too. This isn't like pro-Muslim, pro-Islam. This is anyone's welcome to do it, even though it's really for Muslim students, so they have a safe, quiet space where they could pray. And that seemed to work out for everyone. I mean, it worked out for the school because these students weren't going to take a lot of time out of the day you know, to go pray. They would just do their thing and then get back to class, which is what you want as an educator. Um, that wasn't a problem. Um, and it was good for the students because they could just go. They knew there was a place in school where they could pray, and that's it. Now, people were furious about this. Some atheists were mad because they felt the school was, you know, promoting Islam or doing something for Muslims that they would never do for anybody else. 
except I, that's not true. I mean, they would do that for other religious students if it's within reason and if it's not disruptive to anybody else or anything like that. Like, tell me something other students want to do that their, religi- that their religion or non-religion requires them to do that the school wouldn't budge on. I, I can't think of one. Um, one parent was actually quoted in a newspaper saying, she was anonymous, by the way, she didn't want anyone getting mad at her, it, had open, it has opened a Pandora's box. If I was a devil worshiper, would I get a room? To which the answer is, well, if you were a Satanist or something and your religion required you to devil worship during the school day, then yeah, you could make that request and then we'll have that discussion. But they don't have to do that. So it's a weird um, analogy. And my favorite part of that, this story is that a reporter called the Freedom From Religion Foundation because... You know, I guess they think, oh, it's an atheist group. They complain about everything that, you know, religious people like. Let's get them on the record. So they asked FFRF what they thought about this thing. And Annie Laurie Gaylor, their co-president, said, our first impression is that this is a reasonable accommodation. Like, she didn't bite. She said it was fine. Um, they, they wanted to make sure it didn't get out of hand and that it, they weren't promoting prayer at the school or praising it. But they were making a reasonable accommodation for the kids. That's fine. That's not a big deal. So... That's it. Of course, it's reasonable. That's not a weird request. And what boggles my mind is how many stu- people, how many commenters, atheists especially, were so upset about this, saying that they, they, we were bending over backwards. The school, the school administration was bending over backwards for Muslim students, um, and they would never do the same for anybody else. It's ridiculous. This is a reasonable thing you could do. It's not pro-Islam. It's not anti-atheist or anything like that. It's just saying, okay, we can do this to help these kids out. That way it'll make the secular part of the school day go by more smoothly. If we can do that, let's do that. Uh, the one argument I heard from one person is uh, that actually made a little bit of sense is that by FFRF saying this is okay, They rarely say that when it comes to some sort of religious controversy. And someone said, oh, well, if they're seen as taking sides with Muslims, Christians are just going to keep using that against them. Um, As in saying, you hate Christians specifically, which FFRF does not. But that's also silly because this isn't a popularity contest. It's not about, well, we're siding with one group and not the other. It's about what the law says. The law says the schools have to provide reasonable accommodations for students. That's not a weird thing to do. Um, so this, this should not be a problem. Uh, I don't get why everyone got upset about this. Okay, I'm going to stop there. I'm sorry this isn't longer, and I'm sorry Jess isn't here to uh, provide you with commentary, especially on stories about a Christian speaker who said women with short hair are not feminist enough, and the pharmacist at Walgreens who wouldn't fill a girl's birth control prescription because he had, quote, a pretty good idea why she needed it filled. Um, Jess has more to say about that. Maybe we'll get to those stories next week again. I'm sorry we couldn't record that. I'm going to stop it here. Thank you for listening. Hopefully, everything will be fixed by next week. Um, Hopefully, later this week, we'll have an interview Jess did with her brother about religion that is uh, really fascinating, and I hope I can play that for you later this week. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next week, full episode. And if you're interested, uh, please feel free to go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Thank you so much.